0: Okay, so this is at the end of Torah Vav from Lukutim Maran. This is from Rabbi Nachman's magnum opus. This Torah in Breslov is traditionally learned during Elul. Elul is a time of tshuva. But the reason I thought about it is because in this week's Parsha, or last week's Parsha, moreover, Parsha Vayikra, Vayikra is really about tshuva. We know that the Zohar says that Vayikra comes from a Lashon of Kriya, which means the call. And it's God really calling out to us. It's God being able to say, even though you may have messed up, and even though you're imperfect, I still want you to be able to come close to me. And the mode which I'm going to do that through is through a korban, which is a vehicle of closeness. And this vehicle of closeness is pretty much the opportunity to rectify. Reb. Reb Donnie, what up, baby? How you
1: doing?
0: Thank God. So... It's this idea of a korban is coming close and the whole point of korbanot is being able to return to God and God is calling out to us. And I was learning a little bit of Rav Sasson and Rav Sasson was pretty much teaching how this idea of tshuva, which Rav Kook talks about, which to backtrack a little bit, we're doing Torah Vav from Likutei Mehran. Likutei Mehran is Rabbi Nachman's magnum opus and this Torah is typically learned in Elo, which is about tshuva. But last week, in the Parsha, we learned about Vayikra, which is all about God calling to us to come close to him. It's about restoring to God. So Rav Sasson Shlita talks about how Rav Kuk in his legendary work, Orot Chuva, where Rav Kuk pens multiple volumes and chapters about how Shalom. Rav Kuk pens multiple chapters on Chuva. Rav Sasson saying that Chuva, we normally think, is something that comes from us and we're trying to connect back to God. But he says a very interesting take on it. He says that Hashem is actually causing tshuva to happen. Meaning there's an entity within us which is the chelikah kav mimal. Which is divinity. Which is connected to God at all times. And that aspect of God within us is searching and yelling to the God beyond us. The imminent aspect of God is yearning to reach back and reconnect to the transcendent aspect of God. That's what the Kedusha Levi says. Hashem, Hashem el-rachum v'chanun. He says what that means. Why do we say God's name twice? Because it's the divine within screaming to the divine beyond. And it's saying, be compassionate and be merciful and understand that inherently we're connected. So this idea of tshuva, according to Rav Cook, is God sending an awakening from within God to awaken us. And this awakening is really God sending this arousal so we can return to God, to come close back to God. So this is a beautiful Torah, tar- Torah and we'll start. And Rabbi Nachman tells this whole Torah, and it's very complex. And at the end, of Nachman tries to simplify it a little bit and bring it down to our level. So Rav Nachman teaches, and he says at the top, That everything Rabbi Nachman said above, Let's try to understand how all these big lofty ideas are actually alluded to and practical in our lives. Can I just? Can everyone see the screen? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Torah Vav again. So he says. Rabbi Nachman teaches in the beginning of this Torah. Someone who wants to be successful in returning to God, despite fallenness, despite brokenness they need to be experts in two things. And I think we'll see the psychology of Rabbi Nachman here is profound because he's speaking to the inner dialogue that a lot of us have. We know that often we want to be better. And there's a fine line between pushing ourselves to be better, but also beating ourselves up and not giving ourselves enough empathy and forgiveness. So Rabbi Nachman says you have to be Bucky, Beratza and Beshov. You have to know when to push yourself to run, rotze, to come close to God. The pasuk emerges from the malachim who are running towards the heavenly realm and retreating from the heavenly realm where it's this action of being able to reach the ineffable but not quite reach the ineffable. Every step we take forward, we realize we actually took two steps back because God is so transcendent and beyond. But also we need to be Bucky bashove. We have to be able to retreat perhaps retreat from our own self-imposed expectations and to be able to say what I'm doing now is okay. And even though there is more that I could be doing, where I am now is beloved and where I am now is enough already. And he's going to quote a pasuk from David and Melech in Te'ilim, where he quotes David and Sham saying, If I ascend to the heavens, you're up there. Meaning you're found when I'm trying to climb heavenward. You're found when I'm trying to push myself to try to take on a new task and to try to move forward. This refers to the Jew when they're trying to accomplish. It's kind of doing mode. It's trying to conquer. It's trying to accomplish. This is the first half of the Pasuk where David Melch says, if I'm ascending towards heaven, you're there. I can relate to you and that's one aspect of my service when I'm trying to push heavenwards. However, you also need to be Vasiya sho'ul hinach. But when I fall to the bottom of pits, as David Melech finishes, when I fall mamish to the bottom, you're also there. You're also there when I'm shov. When I retract, when I fall, when I return, when I'm simply being, I'm not doing, or when I'm falling, when I'm not growing, when I just am the way that I am. And Rav Nussin explains, who perish pashtu. this is a very simple understanding. Anyone who wants to accomplish real growth, to be able to reawaken the infinite and complete and always constant connection that they have with God, they have to matanav, she ben Yerida. They need to really, really strengthen themselves to be with God constantly. Whether that means falling, whether that means climbing, it's irrelevant where you are. Because you have to understand that there are two aspects to this process and it's not an overnight thing. It's not like you're just going to be able to snap back in tshuva immediately. You have to realize it's filled with ratzah and shov. It's filled with one step forward and two steps back. One step forward, one step back. Ten step backs, one step forward. It's this constant push and pull of I want to add something, but I need to reward myself for what I'm doing. And I think this psychology is so true that we have to be able to be compassionate on ourselves. When I was doing Kalanarim last year, and for many of us who have done Kalanarim before who have been in parental roles, I don't know what people's lives are, thank God. We know that there's a fine line between trying to motivate and trying to push people to do more, but to also say what you're doing is amazing and to compliment them, even though there's still a gap that could be filled, but to be able to say what you're doing already is fantastic. And you don't need to keep going. And even if you fall, that's also great. And he says, However great you've grown. So he's saying, if you see that you're able to accomplish and you've accomplished a great deal, Push yourself even more. If you see that you're on a steady increase and you've been accomplishing, add one more thing. Draw up something else that you can do. That's the first half of the Pasuk. If I ascend to heaven, God, you're there. That's what it means, Rabbi Nachman says, you need to be bucking and bucking and You need to be able to know when to push. However, there are times where we feel so bad about ourselves. Where we've completely fallen, where we feel like we're completely broken, that adding on something else is completely unfathomable. Let alone to do what I've already been doing, let alone to do half the things that I've already been doing. What happens when I've fallen completely? So R' Nasan says, "Shafilu im yifol chas le'makom Even if you've fallen, God forbid, to the place that you've fallen, afilu <speaking in Hebrew> Even to the deepest, 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 deepest depth. A lot of times we think that there are like forgivable Aveirot and then there are Aveirot where there's like no going back from. Like Aveirot, like okay, I'm done for the day. No more mitzvot, no more brachot, no more tzitzit, nothing. I'm done for the day. Tomorrow's a new day. Aaron says multiple times, you have to start over many times during the day. Even if it's the avera. that's the red line Aveira. Even then, right away. (laughs) al Ish. Gamken al-yita'ish atzmo don't give up. Realize that this tshuva is a two-pronged process. There's going to be coming forward, but there's also going to be shove. There's going to be falling. There's also going to be great climbing. It's a journey. tamid yechapes v'yavakesh et Try to meet God where you are. Constantly search for God. And constantly demand God's presence. Don't think that where you are, God can't be found there. Don't think that where you are, it's too disgusting for you to have a relationship with God. to our own relativity, to our own capability, wherever we are, however we can, wherever you are, you need to continue to seek out that relationship. Because God has found mamash, mamash, mamash in the depths of hell. in the deepest, darkest places within us, God is found there too, even there you can cling to God. And that's what David Melech says, if I go to the heavens, you're there, but if I fall, you're also there with me. And that's what it means that when we do tshuva, we have to understand that we're going to mess up. We're going to mess up. We're going to fall. There are going to be times where we're not going to be able to add. And Rinachman says, that's okay. That's totally fine. Rabbi Nachman says it's impossible. It's impossible to have a real relationship with God. It's impossible to, add, to, to actually think you're going to grow, to think that you're never going to fall, that you're never going to mess up. Real tshuva is embracing from the offset, from the beginning, that there are two facets to the human relationship and the human experience. One facet is growth-oriented. They're both growth-oriented, but one of them is more frontally, more externally growth-oriented of externally accomplishing, and another one is falling and still having the persistence and the confidence to be able to continue after that. I remember, I'm not gonna say who, because I don't know if you'd feel comfortable sharing, but someone who I'm very close to, a rabbi who I very much look up to, I was telling him when I was in Shanabat, I was going through a little bit of a depressive period before I realized it. And I said, listen, I really can't learn right now. I, 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 this, isn't, this isn't happening for me. I can barely get out of bed. I'm having headaches. I'm having health issues. I just, I, I have no motivation and I have no drive. So this, this rabbi, this individual said to me, he said, you know, I very much relate to this experience. And during my years of learning in yeshiva, there were a lot of times where I would wake up and I wasn't able to come to Seder that day and I would just wander. And he said, I consistently found myself wandering through sharim into the Chatzar of Breslov, into the Breslov Beit Midrash. And he said there he would, he would learn and Breslov really brought a lot of comfort to him and that's what spoke to him at the time. And he eventually this was happening consistently and he saw that he couldn't sustain focus so he actually met with the Admor of Breslov at the time. I can find out afterwards who this was at the time. But one of the leaders of the Breslov movement and speaks volume to Breslov and their acceptance and love for Jews that he actually let this individual in and speak to him. And this mentor of mine basically said, he conveyed his struggle and he said, you know, I've been really having a hard time learning lately and I'm not connecting and I'm not growing in an external sense. What do you recommend for me? And I can assume that the head of Breslov at the time had definitely seen this Torah. And he said, it's fine. You don't have to add on anything else. You don't have to progress in the classical sense. You don't have to listen to the classic yeshiva rhetoric of add another seder, add five more minutes, continue learning, don't be mevata your Torah. He said, just chill. Just take your time. In fact, take a week off of yeshiva. You don't have to do anything good. You don't have to grow anymore. Just don't do any averot. Just try to be neutral. Just try to exist. Just try to realize that the way that you are right now, that itself is good. You don't need to keep on adding all the time for God to be satisfied. You can just accept where you are. You can just be who you are. You can be with God even if you've fallen, even if you're Bucky Bishov. And, and, and I think this Torah is very, very deep. It's very deep. I think for me personally in quarantine, I've also been sick the past couple of days. I found a lot of days where I'm not necessarily producing in the way that I would like, or the day doesn't necessarily go as I would expected it to go. And sometimes I put a lot of pressure on myself and I say, you know, you should be hitting X standard in learning or you should be devoting X amount of times to Torah. But I think what Rabbi Nachman understands is that having a relationship with God is a real thing. And it's not something that needs to always be doing oriented. Sometimes just being is enough. Sometimes realizing that there are going to be moments where you're in conqueror mode, but there are also going to be times where you're just in being mode. And and just being able to say, this is where I am. And I also can find you for my non-doing, per se, for my being, for my shove, for my returning, from, from sitting, that's what shov literally means. And I think the other Torah that I wanted to, to, to learn together also, I think very much relates to this, I didn't even think about this, but it was just sent into my mind, so that's pretty cool. Um, this is Torah Chet. This is a deep Torah, and I think the two, They do go very much hand in hand together. They do. So, this is Torah Chet from Rabbi Nachman. And Rabbi Nachman here talks about the breath. Yo, NJR, what up, cookie cutter? What up, baby? Show some love. Dude, thank God. Quick idea on what I actually heard on fire and water. I was learning over Shabbat. You're 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 catching up? Bro, what do you mean? We're all catching up to you. You're in the lead. We don't know what that means. You're in the lead. So there's a, there's a cool idea about this idea of tshuva and about how Rav Kook says that God is actually within us, arising us. It's tshuva comes from God himself. It's God himself calling to us through us. So Rav Sasson was saying that the way that spirituality interacts with physicality is that God starts up here in a spiritual world And begins to come down to physicality from less abstract, from from more abstract to less abstract. Meaning this concept of God is so spiritual and then it comes down. And what we're doing with Korbanot is we're doing the opposite. We're We're taking physical and we're trying to return it back to spiritual. What does he mean? So the way that God connects with us is through rain a lot of times. If we look at rain, if we look at water, water is comprised of abstract molecules in the sky. Very ephemeral Very esoteric, very spiritual, not tangible. And then water begins to turn into liquid form. And then it turns into ice. It goes from this process of very ephemeral to very tangible. On the other hand, when we bring korbanot, we bring animals, which are very, very physical. And the medium which we communicate with God is through fire. What does fire do? Fire takes that which is extremely physical and makes it very spiritual. It turns it from pure physicality to gas, which is more ephemeral. It's the opposite movement of water. Whereas water starts very ephemeral, very abstract, in a molecular form, and then goes through the process of liquidization, which comes into rain, which then comes into ice, which is more physical. We have the opposite effect of trying to return spirituality back to God through a physical world. So on that, on that, on that note, which was a little bit of a tangent, how this connects with Torah Vav, we said on Torah Vav that we have to embrace our fallenness and recognize that's part of the journey. And perhaps we can translate Ratzav Veshov versus running and retreating to doing versus being. And sometimes adding on our service of God versus sometimes recognizing that where we're at is enough and even if we fall, fallen, that's also enough. And God is there too. Rabbi Nachman in Torah Chet talks about the importance of the breath. And the breath really is being. When we try to take a deep breath, when we try, it's not always so easy, but when we try to take a deep breath, what we're saying is that in this moment, I'm connected to life. And life is happening in this moment. And I'm reinvigorating myself with life. And I'm recognizing that things in this moment, isolated from all the other moments that are yet to come, are okay. Because this moment is whole. This moment is being recreated by me as I'm connected to the life source itself, the breath. And what happens in the future, I can't predict. And what happens in the past, I can't predict. But in this isolated moment right here, all is good. What I am right now doing, being, I'm good. So Rabbi Nachman talks about this a little and we should talk about it because I didn't really prepare this. So if anyone has ideas, and everyone, NJR, I feel like, you know, your soul is connected. Whoa, this is such a deep crew right here. Woo! such a deep crew. Oh my goodness, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out. Okay. Okay, let's do this. So Rabbi Nachman says, relates to Hanukkah, which I'm sure we could find some connection. He says, Hine just sent me a link for
2: Zoom.
0: What's up? He's doing a thing. Well, thank God. Hine Yakar Genuche like, So Rabbi Nachman says, okay. how how beloved is. The Kreks, or the Krech, I think in Yiddish. Yeah, here he says, Shakurin Krech. How beloved is the sigh of pain, but really, how beloved is the breath of a Jew. And Rabbi Nachman says, I don't fully understand this, maybe we can try to do it together. Rabbi Nachman says, every time we take a breath, and every time we let out a sigh, we're attempting to fill our lack. Now, the way that I try to understand that is that we as human beings are fundamentally imperfect. And what we do when we breathe is what we're trying to do is we have this space inside of us that's empty. And with the breath, we try to fill that space. We try to invite life to enter in to the hallowed space within us into the brokenness. And what we're doing is we're saying that perhaps all the moments around me are broken But what I can do is I can bring wholeness into this moment. This moment is whole. Because this moment, when I take a breath and I pause and I connect to life, I realize that I'm connected to the life force of the universe, which is the breath, which Rabbi Nachum will explain. Also, if anyone has any ideas on this, why we think the breath is a fulfillment of lack. Any ideas? We're participatory here. Jules, you have anything?
3: (laughs) I've heard this from him that... So just sighing on its own is very precious. And I also think it has to do with, you saw, I learned this someone last week, how Rabbi Nachman talks about the silent scream. Mm-hmm. Just let, like imagining, preparing in your head that you're gonna let out a huge scream and then doing the motion of it, but not actually making any noise itself. There's like a, there's an outer movement and then there's an inner movement that like they both come from the kidneys, but whatever, basically, He says the inner movement on its own, that the mental movement, that you picturing the scream, actually is powerful on its own without making any sound. But I think the deeper idea we said was without voicing anything, without trying to frame any of my pain or any of what I'm struggling through, just the fact that I'm screaming is precious or it's effective in healing. But even beyond that, even if I'm not making any noise when I scream, just the fact that I'm imagining my scream, just the fact that I'm going like this, it's something. So I think it's the same like idea, just with sighing. Because it's, it's the fullness of lack. Like it's, I'm okay with just not even framing this lack. I'm just being in the lack, you know?
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I think it's an idea of also, it could be that sighing is acknowledging our limitedness and when we acknowledge that we're limited, we oftentimes give ourselves more permission to be flawed. And that in a sense is coming to, to wholeness with the struggle that we have. There's an idea about Brent Mila where if we were whole, imagine, can I draw on this? That would just be crazy. Oh, whoa, whoa.
1: Draw away, Simon, draw away, please.
0: Come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm not so tech savvy. Yeah. If we were whole, you know, if we were whole, there would be no place to bond. But with Brit Milah, we create an indentation. So you get, sheep. So this gets taken off. And now there's this giant space to bind with God, which is over here. So when we say, I am imperfect, I open myself up to be completed by perfection, by something that's beyond me. We've now created space for us to bond and to bind to God. And perhaps we can say that this, I don't know how to go back to the Torah, but we could say that through us acknowledging our limitedness, through sighing, we actually become whole. Because we say that only God, who is infinite, can now bond with me and fill me. Rabbi Nachman continues, and he says, Based on the breath, which are otiot neshama, Shehi haruach which is the life force of life. Nivra haolam. Rabbi Nachman just psukim. him. He says very simply, through the breath, God created life. So too, when we take a breath, we mimic life and we draw down life. And we also recreate by recreating our moments. This idea in Tehillim, where through the breath, everything is sustained. And we also know that at the end of time, God, in when he restores himself, will also take a breath. And he'll send the breath, he will send his breath. And he'll renew the surface of the earth. So when we take a breath, and we take a moment to pause, we actually recreate ourselves. We have a new coming to life of sorts. And he says, And this doesn't just exist with creatures in the world, it relates to us as we've been alluding to. We, right now, are sustained by the breath. Unfortunately, Corona is teaching us the importance of the breath. Where one of the symptoms of corona is a shortness of breath. Where people are having a hard time breathing. And, that's, and that's, that's what's causing death. Because breath is life. Just basic creation. We see that creation is created out of the breath. Where God opens man's nostril and blows life into him. Into them, into her. Everyone feels. bapav. And we see that the, the nishama is formed from the breath. If we lose our breath, we lose life itself. And I think this is deeper than just a biological utterance in fact. I think what this is saying over here is that if we seize our ability to pause in life, because the breath really represents shuv, returning. It represents being able to take a break being able to be mindful, if we're not able to slow down and to live in the moment and to experience the now, then we're mamash dead, we're dead. This is what I think it means, te If we don't have the ability to breathe, if we don't have the ability to take a moment, if we don't have the ability to reconnect to right now, then we're never gonna experience life. Eckhart Tolle, who writes The Power of Now, his book's very trippy, it's really deep. Everyone's trying to bring over it. Basically talks about how the future is an illusion because the future is somewhere out there. But when the future comes, it's going to be in the now. It's going to be here. So you'll get there. You'll be in the now. But you're so used to being in the future and anticipating the future that when the future comes, the future will come in the now. And you're in the future. So when the future comes, you'll be in the future. You won't be able to experience it in the now because everything's happening in the now. The past is just a past iteration of the now, meaning you in the now are experiencing something in the past. So the past is happening in the now. And the future, when it comes, it'll come in the form of the now. But if you're so stuck in the future, then when the future comes, you'll be in the future, and the future never comes. So I think what this is saying is that if we can't cling to the now, if we can't have a breath, however the now is, then, we're, then we never experience life. And he says... Saw, yeah.
1: Can I add a little thing that I think from just reading it?
0: Please, that's why we're here. I this we, is a if,
1: if we look at this, it says im neshima chaim If you're missing haneshima, if you're missing the the breath of God, it specifically hmm. says haneshima, His breath. Then you're missing, you know. Then there is no life. So it's kind of like, what are we doing to sustain? What are we doing to sustain Him so that He keeps breathing, so that we keep having our lives?
0: I love that.
1: I don't know.
0: Wow, I love that. And so God himself... You rev- no, no, I'm just trying to process for sure. Th- there's also an idea that's beautiful that like... That like human beings very much are the revelation of God. And if they're like killing human beings is, is like into killing God himself. So we through breathing, bringing life in are actually... Sustaining God himself. What do you think, NJR? I like it. I like you. Thank you. Nimsa. Ki ikar chiyut kol advarim hu bechinat Continuing this theme, that the main life force of everything is the spirit. Notice it's ruach, not Nishima. I don't know what that means. Is the spirit of all things. Ukheshayesh khisaron when there's a lack ikar khisaron hud binat khiyut shel oto davar whoa that's very deep what does that mean okay let's try to break this down friends much help is appreciated when there's a lack in something ikar khisaron the main lack hud binat khiyut shel oto davar Meaning the, th- the thing that you're lacking is the very essence of the thing itself. What does that mean?
3: It's the essence of its chiyas because its chias is its divine. Like you were saying, it needs the lack. So it needs something that's divinely giving it vitality.
0: All right? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm just trying to process. When there's a lack in something chisaron the main lack, ha chiyut shal oto Yeah, I think you're right. I think. Because he's saying that lack is the life of the thing itself. Meaning, the fact that we have a lack, the fact that we're imperfect, allows for the potentiality, one could say, of growth and of connecting. Obviously, many of us are Talmudim of Riv Aaron here and Talmidim of Riv Cook as the two go hand in hand. But Rav Kook talks about how due to the lack, due to us being imperfect, God himself has the ability to manifest the ability to become more perfect and to overcome challenges through us. So it's this lack that allows our vitality, the vitality of growing, overcoming. Bechinat Ratza, perhaps. Meaning, I think that's what it's saying. It's, it's, it's precisely... Oh, awesome. Zoom removed the 40-minute time limit. It's precisely... The place of lack is the precise place of the Divine Spirit within everything. Because the fact that we lack means that we're co-creators with that who doesn't lack, which is God who's infinite. haruach and it means that because we're lacking, we need something to be able to sustain us. And that sustainability and sustention, if that's a word, is the breath. And is God's presence, because God creates with the breath. And God's presence, i.e., is the breath, because that's the imprint of His creation. And this is pretty cool also. And he says, any ideas so far? Anyone want to chime in? Rachel, do you have anything? No?
1: I just, I just want to add, like... Please. About before, um, we, we spoke about what you said.
0: We spoke about before
1: we spoke about um, how Rev Nachman, like, kind of he, he says, like, one can start multiple times throughout one day, just keep continue starting over. And I think this falls exactly in line with that because when we breathe, if you think about it, you're taking in something and releasing it as something else, hmm. so you're constantly renewing um, that, and also psychologically. You can almost press reset when you take something in. It's like a reset button, and you can okay focus your thoughts now. So not only physically is it changing, but also mentally. Um, mm-hmm. And then also on a much deeper level, like you, you get you, you you drew a beautiful um, illustration over there. I think also with the mouth, like if you think about it, what is it? Wow. It's an opening. So it's an it's an opening for for God to enter, and I think that's the whole idea behind the the
0: breathing. I don't know. That's beautiful.
2: Um, I want to add to that with changing like what you're taking in. Um, before, when we said, what you can be feeling, it may not be yourself. It could be that you're feeling the air, which is really empty. But you take mm-hmm. it in and either you sigh it out, so you're giving an emotion, or you say words, which are like creating something out of Whoa. the air.
0: And that's, I mean... I don't want to speak for Rachel Batya here, but I don't know how much Rabbi Nachman she's seen, but that's the entire magnum opus of Rabbi Nachman's entire literary canon, which is hitbodudut, which is filling creation with words to God. Rabbi Nachman says Mashiach comes from Mesiach, from the waters of creation, the waters of speech, sicha, dialogue. It's, we could say that, we take the life force in from God through the breath, which is the power to create as God creates us with the breath. And then we translate that breath into a life force that can then breathe out words. And we continue God's process of creation through the words that we speak and return to God as we continue to take the breath from Him. I love that.
3: Hey, I gotta go. Shkayach. Shkayach.
0: Bale tov. Achman says that Anachahu. So this groan, this sigh, this recognition of lack, which our wholeness comes precisely through this recognition of lack, is which is one of the 13 attributes of mercy, which is the long face, whatever that means, which we'll call Rav Aaron and ask him to explain it. Sorry, what's Anakha? Hmm? What's Anakha? I think anacha is like a sigh. Okay. Like a... All right. And we said, Rabbi Nachman saying on a deeper level, that's the recognition that one's limited. But it's through a recognition that one's limited, one is able to, A, come to terms with the struggle and be whole, and also bind to that which is unlimited, which is God. So through this breath, a breath is the big face. Erech hapayim. D'haynu marich ruchah, which is an elongation of the spirit, an elongation of of the breath. That's what Rabbi Nachman is saying. That's what it means to have compassion. It means to continue to fill yourself with more breath, with more spirit, with more life, with more patience, with more now. So when someone really lets out a sigh on how lack they are, and they extend their spirit, and they extend their spirit, it's, it's, it's giving awareness to the lack itself. It's not running away from the, from the lack. It's, it's actually embracing the lack. Reb Rosenfeld, this comes to mind, I quote this a lot, but it's really beautiful. Um, Reb Joey Rosenfeld really understands Rabbi Notho and I really recommend everyone listen to Shireen, but he talks about in his series on addiction that through the addictive tendencies itself, one can actually overcome addiction. I'll give a practical example. So he talks about how when Moshe has the Jewish people complaining about this the bitter waters when they come to Murrah, this place of the bitter waters after they don't have any water in the Midbar, Hashem says to Moshe, we're going to be able to give the Jewish people water. What you have to do is take a bitter branch, throw the bitter branch into the bitter water and through the bitterness, you'll sweeten the bitterness. So an obvious question is Moshe, the water is bitter. You want to make the water drinkable. Why would taking a bitter herb And taking a bitter tree sweeten the bitter water. So if Joey Rosenfeld says it's actually through the bitterness that one sweetens bitterness. For example, the addict. A lot of people think that for an addict to get out of their addictive tendencies, they need to change their traits. But if Joey says it's through the addictive traits themselves, one can overcome addiction. For example, let's say one was addicted to a substance, and they had to have the substance at 2 p.m., at 4 p.m., and at 10 p.m. Rav Joey says we now take those traits of addictivity and addictiveness and we say I need to have my therapy at 2, I need to work out at 4, and I need to meditate at 10. It's through through sticking to this strict regimen and routine that the addict is able to transform those addictive traits into an addiction to recovery. And it's through the addictive tendencies one is able to arrive at well-being rather than running away from addictiveness and addictive traits. So he says, When we recognize our lack, we're actually solving the lack from within the lack itself. We're solving the bitter waters with a bitter tree. Through embracing the bitterness, it's through the bitterness. And the main lack is a lack of, of this Ruach the life force. Perhaps you can say the recognition that an infinite source does permeate our lacking. And even though we are lacking, it's this lack that allows us to have Ruach Haim. It allows us to have a divine connection. It allows us to create space. It allows us to be an empty vessel, which then breathes God in. So that's why through this sigh, through the breath, one is able to fill their lack. Because one comes to, I think, they, they come to, to peace with their lack. And, and one is able to truly appreciate their lack for allowing infinite growth and connection. So yeah, I think those, to, those two Torahs are beautiful from Rabbi Nachman. I, the reason I personally really like Rabbi Nachman is I think he very much understands the human condition. He's very real. He talks about how we're imperfect, how we have to try to cling to an infinite God even though we're so limited and so broken and so fragmented. And he understands that life is not linear. And it's okay to mess up. And it's precisely through messing up that that we're able to arrive at Shuva. And it's through trying to appreciate our journey, through being present, through trying to survive amidst all the craziness that we're able to have a connection with God. Chaim, any comments, ideas? I
2: have an idea you on Eroch have... Um It's new, so... <laughs> um, just with like a long face i never thought about it before because it's always translated as slow to anger um but it makes a lot of sense now that i'm thinking in terms of like breathing and taking in air um obviously our face like all our features are very close together like eyes nose mouth ears all that stuff and i think that being slow to anger how you do that is that you make your face long meaning that when you hear something that really upsets you you see something that really upsets you you like have just a bad experience, or like just see something that's really makes you angry. If you make your face long, so it takes time to like come out where you, it comes out in anger, that's how you're slow to anger, where you actually like process things and take like a long breath out and don't just like immediately speak. Because if you immediately speak, if your face is short, so to speak, that like what comes in immediately goes out, then you're gonna be angry, but if you make your face long, then you will be slow to anger.
0: Love that. Yeah, thank you, that's beautiful. Shkar, sir. guys, thank you. You
1: guys are just...